Hello, and welcome to 73 and Sunny, the podcast about the journey of getting things just right. We talk to tech sales and marketing leaders about how they're growing, dialing in best practices, and getting closer to that sweet spot. Sharing my hosting duties with me today is Paul Love, shaper of surfboards, rider of bikes, the head of business development at Verse.ai. Thanks for hosting with me, Paul. Thanks for having me. Can't, can't wait to see how this goes. It's my first one with 73 and Sun. Well, Paul, uh, we have an amazing guest today. He's a conversion wizard. He started at Velocify and then went on to found SDP Solutions, which is one of the best in class lead management consulting firms. And he's most recently moved into a position as the chief product officer at Shape CRM. But he may be more well known for his daily wig combos on social media. Scott Payne. Scott, welcome on. Hey, guys. How are you doing? So glad to be here on the show. I love the name, by the way. I was thinking about the, the name of the podcast. And that is like my dream weather is 73, sunny, sitting on the porch. You know, oh, sounds so good right now. Well, so, 72 and sunny was taken, Scott. And we thought 73 is just even a little bit better. I love so, it. Just a little bit. Yep. And and I'm disappointed that you're not wearing a wig. Well, I mean, no, I have it, have it right close by. <laughs> oh my goodness. For, for everyone listening. It up my it's, hair. It's, a, it's a quality mullet. And yeah. so you really must have kind of... Is there a monthly wig shipment, like a subscription that you can do? Yeah, I like um, it. <laughs> I, I've ordered so many on Amazon. I, I can't imagine what the Amazon people think when they're, you know, they see that, oh, another wig going to this guy's house. What's going on? Uh, and then, you know, the story with it with with uh, is is dad's club. Right. And so trying to uh, make kids laugh. What well, We open doors every morning for for our kids in middle school by the way. And, you know, they're always a little cranky in the morning. We get the middle school age, a little cranky. They need a little extra, you know, uh, laugh or what have you. So I'm always surprising with something new, whether it's a new wig or, uh, you know, dressing up as a T-Rex or, or whatever it might be, just to get a little bit of a little laugh before they walk into, in, into school that day. So that's, uh, that's, that's really cool. And certainly middle school kids need, need dads around. So glad yeah. you're doing that. That's really cool. Yeah. Scott, uh, jumping into it, you, you've been in the lead management world for almost 20 years. Tell us how you got started and, and how you landed at Shape today. Yeah. So, so I started my first job out of college was a loan officer for a company at the time called Syntex Home Equity, which became Nation Star Mortgage, which became Mr. Cooper. It was my first job out of college and I was, I had no real experience in sales. Um, I'd had some experience in some marketing classes in college or what have you. And I was in charge of our website for my fraternity and other groups that I was in, was always doing something tech related. And as I got the job into the sales role, um, you know, I had to learn because I didn't have that sales background. Uh, I had to learn how to be able to sell using technology. And uh, the system that we'd had at the time, the CRM lead management system, wasn't all, it was good. It was great for distribution really, was kind of the, the big thing it was known for. From a user perspective, it was rough. And so I became a master of managing my leads with spreadsheets and with note, like printing out the leads itself and trying to put a tech spin on all of that. And so, yeah, 20 years ago, I started my career in that way. And then fast forward to go through all the different roles. I was always trying to find ways to include technology uh, to make myself or my team or my salespeople more efficient. And, you know, lead management was one of those things that 
that always uh, there was always something new to do to to help advance that for, for people. So you do something. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I say no more spreadsheets, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I, not at all. No more spreadsheets ever. It's not allowed. It's a bad word. Um, you do something, Scott, that we do, we've done, and it's kind of fun and kind of painful. We were actually, Paul and I were talking about it before we came on here because it's getting harder to do legitimate tests, but uh, you do tests on companies to test lead responses. So you put yourself in as an inquiry and you find out what they're up to. So are you getting an automated text? Are you getting an automated email? And we, you know, we, we've, we've been doing the same thing as a preparation for conversations we're having with businesses before we get on calls. We want to know how, how, how deep is their problem? How, uh, how are they responding to new inbound inquiries? But yep. we know you've been doing it for years. What are some of the wildest uh, experiences and stories that you've seen to, when you test companies for their lead response? So just to start out too, like I started doing this as just an idea that I had because I couldn't sleep one night. Um, so I was running all of lead management, lead distribution, lead analytics for Mr. Cooper. And we had just acquired a brand new portfolio from Bank of America. It was a massive portfolio. And we went from like a thousand leads a day to five to 6,000 leads per day. Like to imagine that jump for a bit, like it was just, what, how are we going to handle this volume? And a lot of it was going to be emails, communication, get on a wait list, like all of the stuff. We had a, a really good problem to have at that point. But um, one night I said, you know what? I, I, I can't sleep. I'm worried about what email is going to go out when I put a lead in the system or when someone puts a lead in the system tomorrow morning. And so at two o'clock in the morning, I go online real quick and I submit a lead just to make sure the first email I got had the right content in it. And from that point, it took off. I was like, well, I wonder if I leave the, leave the system with this fake name, what's going to happen? And so I was able to track uh, that going forward. Fast forward, I left NationStar, went and started working for Velocify. And the first uh, task I was given was essentially go save a university who used Velocify and put it in their cancellation fly down to Austin or drive down to Austin. I think I drove uh, here in Dallas, <clears throat> go down there and see if you can save them. If you can, great. If not, no big deal. And so the first thing I did, logged in their system, looked around. I'm like, wow, they're like way off best practices, way off what we normally would do uh, from a setup perspective. And, and I said, you know what? It's just not going to work with this guy coming down and saying, hey, you're messed up in the system. Go change all of this. I needed to prove it to them that there was going to be an issue with their way. And so I put a lead in their system and I tracked every phone call, email and text I got. And I was able to put it into a timeline format that showed them across the, you know, from start to finish, what their process really looked like versus what the process should look like. It's, uh, I always reference a scene from Days of Thunder, uh, the movie Days of Thunder, where the, the pit crew guy is saying, hey, you want to drive this way. Let's, let's do a test. I'm going to see what your tires look like after so many laps. And then you drive my way and let's see how the tires look after that. And, and they show the difference and vast difference in doing it the right way versus getting off course and what have you. And so, you know, that story itself, the, the client um, ended up reversing the cancellation. They stuck. And then I took over as account manager for them. And four years later, they had grown four times the number of seats. We were, you know, just a really good success uh, story. Um one little crazy story I'll throw in is that the, the third time I did this for someone, I went on site and I was presenting it and the uh, it was a female um, chief operating officer at the time and, and I'm presenting it to all the executives 
and I just hear this like sniffling and I'm like, okay, think of it. And then it got worse. And I looked over and the CEO, COO is crying and I'm like, uh-oh, this is not good. First time to meet him and she's crying and, and she said, you know, I, I'm so sorry for, for getting emotional about this, but she goes, I am so mad right now. She's like, I don't know if you've ever been this mad before where you start to cry. You're that mad. I am livid right now because this campus that, that you did this to, they promised me, promised me they were going to take care of their leads and do stuff. And so she said, that's changing right now. And so literally picked up the phone, did this. And then before I knew it, I was secret shopping them every quarter for all of their different campuses and put the campuses, put all the admission reps on notice that, hey, anyone you get could be one of these leads and you better not make her cry again. Um, <laughs> so that was the, that was crazy. I've got other stories where the, the, the VPs of sales will call the actual loan officers into the room and have me present in front of the loan officers or the salespeople, whoever it is. And I've got to now present and kind of call them out in front of all of their superiors or what have you. And so for me, at the end of the day, and I think you guys would agree that like we are here not just for our customers, we're here for their customers. We want people to be able to achieve the the dream of home ownership. Uh, we want them to be able to go back to college, whatever the service is they're looking for, whatever industry we're working in. We want the end customer to be the one who succeeds. And so I just got over the fact and said, hey, I'm going to make some people mad along the way. But at the end of the day, I'm doing this for that single mom who's a first time home buyer. And they're going to make sure that we call and nurture them the right way. And when I took that mentality is like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to present the findings, do your job, do what's expected. If not, Hey, by the way, nah, this is a great segue into burgers. If you're yeah. not doing what you need to do, we've got to send it to someone who will. And it's a great segue into verse stuff as well, by the way. So we can use well, that however you want. But <laughs> I remember, I remember David and Avi <clears throat> had, had uh, David and Avi are the, the co-founders of verse had a meeting that they shared with us. It was a bold move in the meeting with the, the prospective giant client. They went on to on, on the screen share, they went on to the site and input an inquiry with his phone number and submitted it and said, let's just see what happens. And I think he had tested them previously. So he knew what was going to happen, but the, they had, they had the, the, the senior leadership in the room and tested it in front of them. And he kept, you know, at certain intermittent times throughout the meeting would hold up the phone and go, I still don't have a call. Nobody's nope. texting me yet. Nobody's reaching out to me. So it's, it's one of those, it's, it's hard to call, you know, it's calling their baby ugly sometimes because you're calling them out and saying, look at, look at the holes in your system. But on the other hand, you know, you're, you're exposing a weakness and, and it's, it's, you have to be sensitive, right? I'm sure you've probably gone through this, but you have to be sensitive in the way that you display this information because we've, we've had it go sideways too, right? Paul, have you ever had someone, someone be pissed off that you put in a, a fake name into their system to test the lead inquiries? A little bit. Um, surprisingly, not too bad. I always have a slight ethical dilemma within my own brain when I do it. Um, but like, like you said, it's, it's, there's a higher cause. So um, I could justify it, but no, I, I've, I've heard, I've heard kind of whispers or hints that it wasn't cool, but <laughs> nobody ever uh, came down on me real hard about it. Yeah. My, my philosophy always was to start with showing to the person who you're partnered with. And usually, you know, we are going to be partnered with someone within the organization that we're trying to get our, you know, our services to help the organization. So start with them, do it for, and show them the results. 
and then ask for the permission to be able to share it with others is how I've gone about it in the past. Um, but like I said, there's just times where the executive that I'm, you know, I got permission to send it to, and then literally they're on the phone. Susie, get down here right now. I'm all mad or whatever. Susie comes down and sits right in front of me and he's like, tell her, show me what Susie did. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is going to be, you know, and by the way, in those examples, like I had them scheduled to go sit with the salespeople after that. Right. And so I just kind of walk around like, oh gosh, you know, people are, that's the guy, that's the guy, you know, type of deal. But again, in the day I defend it. Uh, can you, can, and no, you're at shape now and, and shape CRM for anyone who doesn't know, uh, is a CRM that, that works in all, all kinds of verticals and is, has made it some, some huge advances recently and has brought on Scott and some of his team members. Um, and it's just one of, one of the best in class products. Scott, can you tell us what's a specific thing about CRM or about, uh, management of a CRM that businesses are, are getting most, most wrong? Most wrong, I would say, you know, um, wow, there's a lot, uh, but, you know, I think, um, the follow through and making sure that there's process in place to make sure that all opportunities are getting the same level of treatment, no matter who the record or the, the customer might be assigned to. And that's, you know, uh, a lot of people would take that really as, well, I'm not buying leads. It doesn't really apply to me, but same way, even if your salesperson is going out and getting referrals, let's say from someone else, they're putting your company name on the line, your company reputation on the line. And so even though that is a referral, there are still things in place that companies don't kind of mandate or don't track or don't make sure that that their reputation isn't being you know tarnished because of the the actions or inactions of of certain people. And so, you know, there's lots of ways to do this in a lead management system. End of the day, though, yeah, I think we go about it a little bit differently in the fact that we want to partner with each person and we want to make sure that they see the value in the, in, in the product itself. It's not you know a lot of times corporate comes in and just pushes stuff out and says you have to use it. Sorry. Versus I think our approach and our approach has always been from, you know, whether it be SDP and now into shape is that we want to make the user adoption high. We want to show them why this is going to help their lives. And we've started to, in our social media post, to start talking about personal things, right? Like, hey, like you can't come home every day from work and sit in the driveway for 30 minutes talking to a referral partner because you weren't prioritized the rest of your day. You have a system to really help you out. Your kid's waiting at the door for you to walk in. And here you are in your car because you didn't weren't able to really prioritize your day. And so we we're using real life examples to show how we and how the system can help them have a better personal life at home and put personal stuff first because they know all the other stuff's getting done. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, those who get it wrong are those who just kind of trust their people and that they're going to do it the right way. And they're not tracking with the secret shop opportunities. They're not, uh, you know, showing the value of, of the systems they have in place. And then partnering with guys at first again, I, I'm going to come back to you guys a lot because, you know, we haven't, you know, we haven't talked about our relationship and all of that yet. But um, I mentioned this with David on on my podcast when I had him on was when I first heard about Burst, I'm like, uh oh, this might be a competitor of ours because we try to get people to use the prioritize view and, uh, you know, get the salesperson to use it. Why would you know we would send it off to Burst because then that takes away the value of, of a prioritize view. And what I learned was again was. <clears throat> Who am I ultimately trying to help? Who am I trying to help? In customers, right? End of the day, if the salesperson is going to do it, you have to have a process in place, either from the day it comes in or give them an opportunity to, to be successful. If they don't, you have the backup to be able to send it 
over to someone like you guys to help make sure that that, you know, continued expectation for the borrowers are happening every time. I don't think there's ever been a better or a more important time to have a CRM that's organized in terms of what's coming with AI. And, and in the next few years, your ability to use the data that you own that's that's organized in your CRM to make decisions. And there's going to be tools that are going to come out where you're going to be able to ask, uh, can you prioritize uh, everyone or can you give me a list of the most highest, the highest likelihood uh, deals that are likely going to close in the next three months based on past performance, based on lead source, based on how they're interacting or consumer behavior, how they're interacting with our website. If, if the data, the data isn't clean today, you're not going to be able to get to use all of those tools as they come out. It, we were, we were relating it to like a, a, a garage full of boxes that aren't labeled and trying to say, all right, we'll put these boxes in order of value. And you go, well, I don't know what's in them. Like it's all jumbled. How are you going to, how are you going to be able to organize when it, it, your, your, your own first party data and all the data that you own with your customers, if you haven't organized it within the CRM. So if there's ever yeah. been a time, yeah, ever been a time when you're going to, okay, well, let's get everything clean. Paul and I, this, the, the irony is that Paul and I are the worst Salesforce users in the, in the entire company, but it would, the irony is if things aren't tagged appropriately, if things aren't labeled appropriately, if there's, if attribution is mixed up and jumbled and you go, oh, we used to call it, you know, Facebook leads in 2020, but we started calling, we started like calling them by UTMs in 2021. And now you have two pieces of data that are mixed up. Yeah. There hasn't been a better time to like, to get it all figured out. Right. Agree. And, you know, I would say even going forward, um, you know, some of the things that we're working on with shape and, and, you know, shape is an already robust tool, but they're on the cutting edge. And this is what attracted me, attracted me and our, and our business to be partnered with them as fast as possible was that they are on the cutting edge and thinking about things not just today, but going forward. And, and one of those things that we continue to have discussions around internally is how do we allow a salesperson to just sell? Like, don't worry about even taking notes of your call, like just sell, just get on the phone and do a good job and sell and talk to your customers. How can we use AI to transcribe the call to, to document next action items to uh, when it comes time for a follow-up call, look at all of the kind of history of that, of, of, of conversations of, or things that maybe they have typed in or data points they've entered in or updates from other systems and use that to simply not only just tell them like who's here where you need to call, but also save them time for trying to figure out what to say when it's time to call them. Right? There's a lot of time that gets wasted trying to look through the notes and who updated what and what if we're able to get an AI tool that just simply summarizes the entire situation for them says, here's what you got to talk about right now and go do it. And like, we're close to being able to do that within the system itself. And that includes getting data back reverse conversations that you've had in your system that are feeding back to shapes that we can use that information to then say, here's three things to talk about, or they're probably going to ask about this, whatever it is, allow salespeople to sell. And then going forward, as you mentioned, you have all this jumbled mess and it's usually a jumbled mess because they're all typing it into the notes. They're not putting it into fields. They don't go back and update things right away because they're busy and they get on another call. But what if literally you have a call, transcribe and put in the notes, all of that goes away for your go forward stuff. And it might make your life a little easier for the cleanup as well, where you could just literally go type in a note, just talk 
I talked to this person a couple months ago. They were looking to do this, blah, 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 spit it out and let AI kind of take it from there. Like we are on that cutting edge of, of stuff when it comes to sales, CRM and making a salesperson. It's almost too much, yeah. right? There's almost too many things. There's a lot. It's, it feels almost like the kid in the candy store a little bit in that there's so many different ways and everyone's talking about it. It's the, we, we talked about the last conference I was at, if there was a drinking game of how many times they said, if you what you know, drink when they say AI that like we would have yeah. all died. Yep. And, and it's, there's, there's so much coming at you, but the, 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 the ones that are going to win are going to be the ones who can kind of put things into action, right? Like there's, there's all these possibilities of what's going to happen, but the, the, the challenge I think right now is how can you apply it directly to the business? And I think that's an interesting, it's an interesting segue. Um, is there, is there anything within the CRM world that you're seeing or in the shape world uh, where AI is being used? Do you have, tips and tricks or tips and thoughts on, on AI adoption? Well, I can tell you one thing that we've added to shape that has been super helpful to this point in time is that, you know, most lead management CRM companies, if you need help with the system, you've got to go find help in videos. You've got to go uh, submit a support ticket and wait to hear back. And we've already been ahead of the curve a little bit in the fact that we have trained an AI bot with how many ever support cases we've ever received into shape and taught the bot how to respond to certain things. So as if I'm trying to, you know, like if, if I'm a, let's say a, a sales manager or an administrator of a system, what have you, and I need to add a new campaign right now, I've got time to do it right the second. I don't have time to wait 48 hours for the company to get back to me on how I do this. If I don't know, I need real time access to understand that. And so you simply go to the bot type in, how do I do this? And it spits out and gives you instructions on how to do exactly that. You can ask further questions from that point to elaborate on certain things or what have you. But, you know, I think just as a start, you talk about adoption, people are not going to adopt if they don't know how to use it the right way. They don't have real-time access in their time frame to be able to, to, to really work on it. So that's just the start of it. Um, and then, you know, we get into, uh, you know, I would, I would say there are tools that have been used for years, call it AI. So like there's Shape IQ. Shape IQ is a lead scoring that actually learns over time what you're good at. You know, I think a lot of stuff that I've used in the past, it's up to the user to determine what it is they're good at. And some people can tell you, some people couldn't. They don't even know what metrics to go, but this this AI tool that we have in the system has started to do that already. So now you can use that score for how your leads are prioritized, how they get distributed, who they get distributed to, what's sent to, like I worked with the customer one time, if the score is above this, send it to verse right away because we know they're going to contact it immediately. If it's lower than this, then maybe we don't send it to verse yet. We let the salesperson take it, see what they do, and then always can send it back from that point in time. Um, so using that score or that, you know, the AI model to figure out what's, what someone's going to be good at or not has been impactful to this point. Um, and then, you know, I think, um, yeah, I mentioned a lot of the sales stuff, but just the, um, the ability to, to, to write communications specific to a scenario, meaning that like, if I leave good notes today, like if I don't have a tool that's listening and transcribing a call and I'm just manually typing in the notes, taking those notes and asking a, a, a tool, by the way, we have this in shape as well. Like a chat GPT, you could say, here's my conversation, paste it in. And you could say, 
write me an email, a follow-up email that for the follow-up call, write that, and then boom, it spits it out. You copy and paste it and send it out in shape. So like we're already there, but if you look at a lot of other systems out there aren't using that type of thing today, it then makes it even more time for it takes to, to send an email or you use an automated email that everyone can tell is automated because there's nothing personal in that as well. I'm curious, I think, you know, you've got obviously a long and storied background in mortgage um, and Shape is a platform for customers of you know, many, many industries. So how do you think about um, your ability to create a product that works equally well everywhere? And, and how do you get informed enough? Like, you know, in mortgage, I, I would assume, you know, everything you could ever want to know about what the perfect scenario yeah, you know, the, the perfect CRM features and functionality would be for that type of an individual. How do you um, how do you guys think about making sure that it works for anyone? It's a great question. And, you know, during my time at Velocify, I did get exposed to multiple verticals. I mentioned the university was the first one that, I, that I'd gone to spend time with uh, there. And so, uh, you know, what I found, what I was, I guess, surprised about uh, early on in my career of going to these other companies that work mortgages, how close they really are. You still have customers who need to be followed up with and called and, and all of that is really, really similar. It's just a matter of the right, you know, field and the right, you know, you know collecting the right information or what have you. Um, I would say one thing that I've also done, um, and I, it probably helps a little bit with maybe, you know, the social media stuff that I do, speaking at conferences, you know, but, and I think you guys have done this really well as well as making connections, making connections with people who who know and leveraging them in some way. And so for insurance, we've identified a couple of people that we know are experts in the field and we're leveraging them to partner with us to help us build a template. And that's the other part of, of, of Shape is that we can create templates specific to certain things. And when someone wants to come on and they're the, the uh, they do property and casualty insurance, we can give them the property and casualty insurance best practice template. And then they have that ready to go out of the box. And, and those were built by experts that are in the fields or what have you, uh, you know, for insurance as an example. Um, and so, you know, I've myself tried to do a good job of keeping a good wide network, um, you know, and, and nurturing those relationships. It's really kind of what I spend a lot of my time on today is nurturing relationships and, and you know, see you guys at conferences and those kinds of things that we do. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, but at the end of the day, too, like it's a constant, obviously evolving kind of process. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time, and I have in my career spent a lot of time going and sit, sitting with end users, you know, at their desk or following them if they're mobile and around around town or what have you, and mimicking and, and watching what they do and understanding, okay, that they're doing these things. How can we simplify that in the system? You know, and, and we did this, uh, me and, and the guy on my team, Mike Ferrano, went to New York for a debt company that we've worked with for a number of years. And we spent an entire day doing nothing but shadowing. And we found so many things that we were able to, to eliminate in, in the system uh, for them. Um, there was something, the process, they were clicking somewhere eight times to get the process done. And we said, wait a second, we probably automate six of those things, get them to step two, automate three through seven, and then you know, eight or nine, they click a button and it's done using an automation that way. And so in any in industry, it's, it's key that you stay on top of uh, those things. So you're actually shadowing in person. You just, you, you, you just yeah. go behind a salesperson and see what they're clicking. Yeah, I have a, uh, uh -oh. 
Where's it at? Well, I have it somewhere. A remarkable too. Uh, if you guys have ever seen the remarkable, but it's a, a like a notepad that's kind of like an S, S sketch with a pencil, and I can write. It's like I'm writing on paper. And then what's cool about that is I can uh, transcribe all of that to text and then get it into our systems and all of the stuff from a notes perspective. But yeah, like literally we sit and, and most of the time we like to get a headset and actually listen to the phone calls as well. So we hear what the bar, you know, the customer or the borrower says, and then we watch kind of how that interacts there on the system. Um, you know, I did this when I was at Philosophy as an account manager on every trip that I went on, I would make sure I at least have half a day spent with usually a top performer a middle performer and a bottom performer or someone who just started and watching the differences between all of them. Um, and it's crazy, crazy how much stuff you learn and that they tell you like stuff they tell you, you're like, wait a second, you're literally cheating in the system. You know that, right? And you know, we don't say that. I'm just like, okay, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Cool. All right. Why'd you tell me that? Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of time sitting with the end user. Sales is cutthroat, and the the meeting where they go, all right, well, uh, Scott's gonna be trailing three people today. John, yeah. top performer. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pete, you're the middle performer, and sorry, buddy, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sal, yeah. you're the you're the bottom performer. He's gonna be following you around and finding out why you're why you're not doing a good job. Yeah. Um, so this this part of the the segment of the podcast, and we'll we'll, we'll use this to finish up, Scott. Uh, we call it "If I Were You," uh, and it's to to give advice to business leaders. So, if you're if you're talking to a head of sales or someone a business leader, uh, what would you what would you advise them to do? So, if I were you, what's the most important thing they're not doing now? Actually, the segue from the shadowing component of it, um, you know, I think that every CMO or head of marketing or whoever in marketing, it could be even a marketing manager, whoever needs to spend time shadowing their salespeople and seeing and doing day in the life of them and should follow them around. So I've talked to a couple of CMOs, friends of mine who I've recommended this to, and they'll get on a plane and they fly to a couple of different offices and, and go shadow and really understand kind of what's going on, listen to phone calls with them on the phone, what have you. And so, so that's one component of it. What goes along with that, that I recommend all of my like sales leaders that I work with, I always usually from each client we work with has a head of sales, an EVP of sales, someone who is like the head of sales. And what I challenge them to do is, hey, why don't you spend one day a month or one day a quarter and go get on the phone, spend the entire day to see how many applications you can take, see how many you know deals you can get in. What, what it does is it puts them not only in kind of the day in the life and seeing what they're going through, but it sets this kind of benchmark for the, hey, I did it, you can do it, right? You can hit this goal of it, it been, each person who's done this has crushed it because they do it by the book. They follow the priority view. They call through the list. They have the conversations they're supposed to. They have the right follow-ups, et cetera, et cetera. And they crush it, set goal, you know, really high goals. And that becomes the new kind of goal for sales to hit. And when someone beats it, they make a huge deal about it, you know, for that person or what have you. Maybe put a bounty or, or a prize if you get above the you know person that, that's done this. And so, but I think what also comes from it is that the, the head of sales gets to hear firsthand what some of the challenges are for their salespeople. So if they have a product issue or a pricing issue, or they have, you know, really a technology issue, maybe where they're like, Hey, this, this really stinks. I've got to go enter this into 10 different places, or I've got to go into all these different systems. It's really hard to do that. And so, uh, you know, they get a lot of lessons, real life lessons in it. Um, 
when I was in, by the way, when I was a going through a management and training program at NationStar back in the day, um, from a loan officer to a manager, they put us in a underwriting role for 30 days and a processor role for 30 days. I had to underwrite my own pipeline for 30 days and processing. And what it taught me coming out of that to now become a sales manager was the importance of a clean file, the importance of taking a good application up front, the importance of asking all the right questions and documenting and leaving good notes so that I didn't go train all of my people that way, that way going forward. And much like, much like that, I think there's an opportunity for sales leaders that are missing out on to do that. Last little note too, I'm a huge proponent of video. And, you know, and you guys see the videos that I do. I, I've just gotten to a point where I, I just posted, you know, uh, like uh, very little times do I record something now and not post it. If I'm recording it, it's getting on there, regardless of how stupid it might be or not. Um, and so in that same aspect, we see a lot of, I see a lot of leaders out there telling their people they need to be recording videos, but they're not recording themselves. And Alec Hansen, if you guys know Alec Hansen from uh, CMO of Lone Depot, uh, during COVID, he started 100 videos in 100 days. He did all, just all of this content on video. And, and that was what he talked about, was that if I'm not doing it and I'm asking my people to do it, it's not going to work. And so with the lead from the top and, and it's gone really well for him. Obviously, he's now the CMO of Lone Depot uh, through his effort to the last couple of years. So. Scott, that was great. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to check out Shape CRM and go follow Scott Payne on LinkedIn for top-notch content on, on sales optimization and CRM usage. Thank you so much for, for joining us. And Paul, thanks for co-hosting with me. Thank you.